Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. So this morning, we are carrying on with our trip through Galatians. And uh, I have to confess, what a journey it's actually been. Can you believe that in six chapters, you can have so much stuff in it? As I was going through my little seven verses, I thought, oh man, we actually need a two-day deep delve into Galatians so that we can get the whole picture, get the full picture, and not just the little bits that do all tie in together, don't get me wrong, on a Sunday. So this morning, we're going to look at Galatians 4, verse 1 to 7, and I've titled my message, Who's Your Daddy? Good, some people got it. Gosh, you guys, wakey-wakey. So let's read this together. I'm reading all my passages from the NIV, just so that you know, and you don't get confused, so if you're reading something else, I'm reading NIV. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you're his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. (sighs) Do you see how much is in there? I mean, come on. There's references to so many other scriptures that we could just spend a day cross-referencing verses from the Old Testament and the New Testament. and the... So much, so much. So I'm not sure whether to tell you to sit back because it looks like too many of you are sitting back. But uh, I'm going to say to you, listen quickly, as a good fr- friend of mine would say, because there's a lot we need to get through this morning. Sean, are you okay? (laughs) So what is a guardian and what is a trustee? Because it's mentioned there in verse 1. Guardians, if children do not have parents, they will often set up a guardian to look after these children until they come of age. And uh, you'll hear that quite often when two parents have passed away, they'll set up a guardianship to look after the kids. And uh, this happens even in this day and age where they're called temporary foster parents or something like that, but there is an agreed time span for that guardian to be watching over the kid. Trustees, a trustee is a person who takes responsibility for for managing the money and the assets. So the guardian looks after the actual kid, feeding the kid, making sure the kid gets to school, making sure the kid does his homework, making sure those kinds of things, and the trustee would look after the financial aspect of the child. 
Sam, it's nice to see you. <laughs> so understand that, again, this trustee was only there for a certain period of time. It was not an eternal trustee. They were only appointed for the timeline that had been determined by the father, by the biological father. It's a temporary position until the circumstances of the child changes. Paul is pointing how the experience of this child is like Israel's history, living under the law and gosh. The previous verses, we've talked a lot about living under the law and how the people lived under the law and then they wanted to live under the law again and living under the law is very, very tiring because if you make one mistake, you're out. And so he's kind of referring to this whole story of the, the, the Israelites living under the guardianship of Moses' law. And in a sense, it's also related to the Gentile believers whose previous history was living under the pagan philosophies of their own culture. And if you go and look at some of those philosophies, they were quite hairy and scary. Then we look at the elemental spirits in verse 2. And gosh, I battled with this one. Because absolutely no commentary was clear on what these elemental spirits are. And if you've got to know me, you know I, know like, I like to know what a thing is because then I can deal with it. But if you're vague with me, I'm kind of like, what must I do? So after much conversations with my husband, who's a very learned man in the original Greek, and, uh, and looking through commentaries, I found this. The elemental principles of the world is sin, fear, and death. So we can deal with these. We cannot escape our own sinfulness. We cannot escape our little hearts. When it's cold, we want to stay in bed. We don't want to get up for a serving team. It's real. <laughs> we, we can't escape these things. But all of these included what the law of Moses had put, had set up. But they also included some of the stuff that we don't like to talk about. And that is the fact that the spiritual world is real. The spiritual world is real. We're not talking about angels. I remember as a child, I was scared of the monster in the cupboard. Who else was scared of the monster in the cupboard? Oh, nobody. Okay, come on, be honest. I was also scared of the person under the bed. I did amazing gymnastic feats getting from the door onto my bed with only taking one jump because it was real. And I remember our domestic lady who worked for us used to believe in the tokolosh. These things are real. The spiritual world is real. But all of those things in the spiritual world that is not of God brings fear. So can you see? We have our sinfulness we need to deal with, and we have fear, and ultimately we do have death. But when we're in Christ, we have no fear of death. So hello. Galatians 3 verse 23 to 24 says, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. Good news. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now, the, the Jews had this, so they had some protection against these elemental spirits, but the Galatians didn't. 
They had absolutely no protection against these elemental spirits. And so this is what Paul is trying to deal with as he's speaking to the Galatians. Please understand, Galatians, you were caught up with these elemental spirits. You with me so far? Then I love this. I just love this. Our brilliant Father, verse 4 to 5a, when the fullness of time came. Can you see how there's a reference to the guardians and the trustees who looked after the child and the estate until that time set by the Father where they would be released from those um, dictates? When the fullness of time came. Folks, God has a timing. He's not without a plan. He has got a trajectory, a trajectory, like Francis likes to say. He's got somewhere that he's going with us. When the fullness of time came, God's plan, the fullness of time. Can you see that we can rest assured that God had always wanted to bring us back into relationship with him? He wanted us to say, I'm your daddy. He didn't want us to be confused about this. He didn't want us to be unsure about this. He always had a plan to bring us back into full relationship with him. Isn't it beautiful? And I get excited. God sent his son. Listen how... This just shows you how amazing and incredible and clever God is. God sent his son... Born to a woman who was under the law. Remember, Mary was under the law of Moses. Okay? So Jesus is born to a woman, flesh, who's under the law of Moses. The law could protect, but could not bring restitution. The, restor the restoration of something lost or stolen to its proper owner. So when you're under the law, the law could not bring you back to Jesus, to the Lord. And he couldn't reclaim you while you were under the law. Are you getting it? So because we're under the law, it's almost like a barrier to God collecting us and bringing us back to himself, into relationship with him. Because that law was almost a barrier. The son was sent to redeem that means gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payments. Folks, can you see how amazing this picture is? I'm, I'm serious. Just don't get befuddled here. Don't get befuddled. Jesus came to a woman who was a person who was under the law to redeem us and to bring restitution so that we could be back in relationship with him. This is like a formula that when you get it, you're like, wow. Just listen to this. Restitution. We were lost to God because of sin. But originally, we were God's possession. 
Garden of Eden, before sin, we were God's possession. He owned us, not in a, in a kind of ownership way, but in a, in a father way that says, you are my child, I own you. That's restitution. Redeem is to gain or regain possession of something that was yours in exchange for payment. God regained possession of us through the death of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing this? He loved us so much. He wanted this relationship with us that he sent his beloved son to make a payment so that we could be brought back into relationship with God. This is not about knowing God is my father. This is about knowing God is my father. It's so much bigger than you can actually comprehend. When we sang, now I run into the arms of majesty, that's my daddy's arms I'm running into. And he's majestic. Isn't it beautiful? And this is all God's plan. We didn't have to go, oh God, I want to be back in relationship with you. Here's my plan to get back to you. God initiated bringing us back to him as a father. You know, it's just beautiful. We have always belong to God. So let's look at what adoption means. Because we need to understand this picture. We, we sometimes go, oh, that child is adopted, but we, can't, we don't understand the full ramifications. Legal wise states the following. An adopted child is regarded as the biological child of the adoptive parents. In other words, the adopted child is the biological child, mom, without you having to go through painful childbirth. But that child is still as much a child in that household as if they had been given birth to naturally. That means that the adopted child in a functioning family is never referred to as my adopted son or my adopted daughter. That child is always referred to as my son or my daughter. There's no adoption thing in front of that. And that's how God has adopted us back. We belong to him and he's brought us back. He's adopted us back fully into his family. There's no mistakes here fully, fully back into his family. My um, brother and sister-in-law adopted a child because uh, they were unable to have children. And uh, it was beautiful. We were there when it all happened. It was very exciting. And they got a colored child. And Daniel is just beautiful. He's such fun. But what interested me is that most people, when they adopt a child, they don't care what color that child is. They don't care what gender that child is. They don't care if that child is fat, thin, funny looking, ugly, beautiful. They don't care because they've got a child. Can you put that into yourself? 
God has adopted us back into his family. And he doesn't care what you look like. He's got no, I'll adopt them except if. There's no except if in his language. He has completely and totally adopted you into his family, whether you're pink, yellow, blue, or green, whether you have red hair, brown hair, curly hair, whether you are clever, whether you are stupid, whether you, are you getting this? It doesn't matter. He wants you in his family, and he rejoices over you. It's not like, oh, I got the ugly one. It's none of that. He rejoices over you, and he says, you are 100% my child. There's no, oh, I had to adopt this one. Nothing. There's nothing. You are 100% his child. So, hello, Daddy. That's what we can actually say to the Lord. In other languages, it could be, hello, Papa. It, it could, but that, that intimate relationship that you're supposed to have with your earthly dad is the kind of intimate relationship you have with Jesus. So let's just deal with something quickly. Because you are his sons, look at that. Because you are his sons. So ladies, how does it feel to be a son? Men, just on the other note, how, men, how do you feel to be a bride? <laughs> understand this word and it is very very specifically used as a son because sons were the heirs in the households the poor girls in those days didn't get diddly squat they had to get married to get something but in in the old tradition the jewish tradition the sons were the heirs not a-i-r-s okay they didn't have heirs they were the heirs and women couldn't. But God is saying that your state is such, ladies, of a son that you get to be an heir. I'm sorry, does this not amaze you? That God doesn't. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't say only the men will still inherit everything I've got for them. He says, no, ladies, your status is now that of a son and you are an heir with the others to inherit everything I have for you. Remember when we spoke about Galatians 3 verse 26, Michael said last week, so in Christ you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor gentle nor slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Romans 8 verse 17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Co-heirs. Men who are in Christ and women who are in Christ are co-heirs. Wrap that, wrap that around your heads. We are co-heirs. There's no one higher or lower or whatever. We are co-heirs. And that is the reference that God is using here. He's saying that you are all my sons 
positional, not gender. And therefore, you will inherit and are co-heirs. We are co-heirs with Christ. Do you understand where that puts us? Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ as well. Can you see how God has just taken us as his kids and made us the very, very biggest and the very, very best that he could possibly make us? There's no favoritism in the kingdom. Verse 7 says, we are no longer slaves. We are no co-heirs with Jesus. We are sons and we are heirs. What does it mean to be an heir of Jesus? Well, when we like all the it was like money, property, beautiful cars, whatever it is that floats your boat. Being an heir of Christ, heir with Christ, is not like that. It means that we get everything that Christ gets, and Christ gets the world. Christ gets people. And that's who we inherit. We inherit those who we can take with us into the kingdom. We inherit those that we'll see one day in in heaven. Our inheritance lies with the people amongst us. It's not in things, because what does Jesus inherit? He inherits us. And so we inherit those that we take with us into the kingdom. You got it? This issue of daddy is a, a, is a really big issue for so many people. And I, I'm going to tell you a short testimony. So when I was 15, my father passed away. And um, as a 15-year-old, you can imagine it was, it was hard. And my brother was only about five. <laughs> and so from the age of 15, I've not had a father. And I lived with a limp. What do I mean? I mean, I had daddy issues, not because my dad was a bad dad, but because I didn't have a dad. And so I, you know, other people would be, oh, my father, my father, and I'd, I'd have an emptiness in my heart. And understand, I went to Bible college three years. I knew my scriptures. I, I knew all of these things. I had, I'd been living as a Christian. I got it, but I'd never got it that Jesus is my daddy, that, that the Father is my daddy. I hadn't got it. And so I lived with this limp. And it's one of those funny limps that you don't actually know you've got that limp, but you live with it. Until I helped a friend at a youth camp. And uh, the funny trip is, if you don't know this of me yet, I don't like jelly. It just, it slides down your throat. And when you're carrying it, it wobbles. And it just, it really, it's hideous. And we had to take a very rough car trip to the campsite where we were going to go and help. And I had this big bowl of jelly on my lap. Do you imagine going through bumps, over bumps, and you're seeing the jelly shake? Yeah. But so we got to the camp. And uh, we set up, and we got everything ready. And then during the praise and worship, this following song came up. Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist without the knowledge of your, say the word, People online are not going to hear you say it louder. 
Father God, I wonder how I managed to live without the knowledge of your parenthood and your and your loving care. Now I am and adopted in your family and I will never be alone. Father God, I wonder how I managed to live. And I, I did. This song literally brought me to my knees in tears. Because I suddenly realized, I suddenly had the revelation that the Lord is my father. He's my daddy. And I will never be alone because, Father God, you're there beside me. There are quite a lot of us who've had bad fathers. There are quite a lot of us who don't even know our fathers. There's some of us who've had amazing dads. And so it's almost easy for us to see God as our father. But there's some of us who've had missing dads. And by missing, it doesn't mean they're not there. They just, they're there, but they're not involved. They're, not, they're, just, they're just not there. And so it becomes harder for us to realize that this is our daddy. That we need to look at things differently because of whose I am and who I am. I'm no longer the daughter of John Henshi because he passed away. Not that one, my dad. And I don't have to walk with a limp because I walk with a majestic, wonderful, amazing, glorious, phenomenal, graceful, gracious, redemptive, awesome, I don't know, you can think of more words, daddy, who loves me despite myself, who loves me because of who he is, and he is an ever-loving father. And I feel very strongly this morning that we need to relook at who this father is. Because we've lost that understanding that we are adopted into his family. That we no longer live as orphans or no longer live without a father figure in our lives and the best father figure you can ever imagine. These verses talk about a God who had a plan, a father who had a plan to bring you back into his family. A father who loved you so much that he would sacrifice to bring you back into his family. A father who thinks you are so worthy of his love and his adoration that he gave up everything to bring you into his family. Is that a dad you want? It's a dad I've got. Sorry for you. <laughs> Take a moment to say hello, family, to the persons next to you and behind you and everything else because that's who we are in Christ. One, two, three, go.
This was the beautiful picture that I got as well when I realized that God is my daddy and I have so many brothers and sisters. It means that I will never be alone, not because he's always with me, but because there's always a a brother or a sister who I can phone up and say, hey, I'm lonely. That's That's what family means. Family means that we're not isolated. We're not put out there in the cold to be a little fire that burns out eventually. We are committed to each other because we are family. If my brother had to phone me and say, we have an emergency in our our family, can you get here now? He knows. I'll drop everything to be with him. And that's how we should be with each other because we are are adopted. Now remember, we are no longer adopted child. Yolanda, you're not adopted into God's family. You are God's daughter. (laughs) Can you get this into your hearts? It's so important that you get this. We no longer need a guardian or trustees because we are fully integrated as a family member to God. We are fully his child. And I have a living father. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't need a guardian anymore. I don't need a trustee because I have a living father whose daughter I am. I don't need to be in fear of elemental spirits because greater is he that is in me and who I'm in than who's in the world. You know, a dad protects his family at the cost of his own life. I'm talking about good fathers. Will protect his family at the cost of his own life. Jesus came and gave his life that we could be back with daddy. That there was no barriers to being with our father We are children of God. I love this. It was one of the sources, and they didn't have a reference. It was one of these that you just find. It says, adoption cuts off all ties with the adopter's original family. So when a child is adopted, you can choose to have a closed adoption. I don't want to get all legal. But it means that the family that you came from can never have access to you again. They don't exist, essentially. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go and cut off your family who are not believers. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, can you see how completely, how completely and totally you belong to God? That your character changes, that your position changes, that your thought pattern changes. You are not an orphan. An orphan never knows who they actually belong to. They're always unsure. They always, they're they're like, because now I'm here and now I'm there, now I'm with this family, now I'm with that family, or I'm not in a family, I'm stuck in an orphanage. I worked in an orphanage for a while. It was heartbreaking because these children just wanted a mommy and a daddy. We don't have to wonder, do we have a daddy? Because we have one. And he's totally and completely committed to you. I 
I love this verse. John 1, 12 to 13. But to all who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. How beautiful is that? I have the right to call him daddy. Not because of me. Not because of I'm so amazing and I'm so wonderful. Ask Francis. He's the most gracious husband. But because of who God is, I have the right to call him daddy. They are reborn not with a physical birth from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. God wants to be your daddy. And he is the perfect, perfect, perfect daddy. He even disciplines. I mean, that's, you know, appropriately. And this morning I'd like you to just stand with me. So Father, this morning we want to say, you are our father. You are my daddy. And Lord, I just, I pray that every single person standing here this morning would have that incredible, incredible revelation of how wonderful and how perfect and how amazing you are, that you would draw each one of us into your family and call us your daughter or your son. We are not orphans. We are not without a father. We don't have to walk around going, who do I belong to and who am I? Because we can say, I am a child of the Most High God, and I have the privilege of calling him Daddy. And so, Lord, let us go and leave here this morning with a resounding, with a resounding voice or resounding conviction that says, I know who my Daddy is, and I'm loved, and I'm adored, and I'm appreciated, and, 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 and I'm, I'm privileged because I know who my daddy is. And because I know who my daddy is, I know who I am. Thank you, Lord, that you have been speaking us to us this morning through the pre, pre-service prayer, through the worship, through the communion, that we are not worthless, that we can run into the arms of the majesty who is the majestic daddy. And we can approach you with no fear because you welcome us onto your lap because we are your children. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us so many examples of how much you love us and want to be our daddies. Thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website, www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.